Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, my name is Kelly Brownell. I'm the director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Our guest for this podcast is Dr. Jennifer Harris, who is director of marketing initiatives at the Rudd Center. Uh, Jennifer has a very interesting background, having been in the business world for many years and then uh, receiving a PhD in psychology and for the past few years working at the Rudd Center directing its food marketing research. Welcome. Thank you. So let's begin with a general question about marketing of food to children. Um, How important a topic is this? Why should the public health community worry about it in the context of dealing with childhood obesity, let's say? Well, the issue with food marketing to children and adolescents is that there's so much of it and it's market and it's primarily for unhealthy foods. So the food industry spends almost two billion dollars a year marketing products like soft drinks, sugary cereals, fast food, candy to directly to children and teens. And with the obesity crisis in this country, a lot of people believe that there's no way to solve it unless we get rid of all of the unhealthy food marketing messages that kids see every day. Well, when you say that the, these advertisements are primarily for unhealthy food, when you say primarily, would 55%, 75%, 95% be for unhealthy foods? It's about 90% of all the food advertising that children see is for products that are high in sugar, fat, or sodium. And what, what sort of broad categories of food would that include primarily? Well, the products that um, young people see most is fa- uh, fast food is by far the most. Um, then sugary cereals comes after that. And then um, candy in just the past couple years has taken over as the number three product that's advertised to kids. And is, are sugared beverages on that list? Um, sugary beverages are not... Um, advertised as much on television, but they're very highly advertised in other media that's a little bit more difficult for us to measure, like social media, product placements, um, internet marketing. So they're they're actually advertised in a lot of different ways, but not as much on television. Well, let's follow up on the topic that you just introduced in brief. Um, when I was a boy, the only type of advertising that I saw were maybe a few billboards here and there, but it was mainly television advertising on Saturday morning cartoon TV shows. Um, but that's much different today. What does the marketing landscape look like? What are kids exposed to? Well, I think um, the biggest difference uh, today than 20, 30 years ago is is the internet. So there's a lot of marketing that goes on to to children and teens on the internet that parents don't even realize is happening. So most um, food companies that market to children have websites with lots and lots of advert games, which are basically games that feature the brand, you know, uh, cereals as a play piece or um, activities that kids do that 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 are related to the brand and. Um, there's there that is the most um, most companies have that. Then there there are also um, banner advertising that companies place on other websites. So for example, Nickelodeon.com or CartoonNetwork.com have a lot of advertisements on those sites. And the 
banner ads on kids' websites are different than the ones we're used to seeing. They're very interactive and engaging. They have games inside the banner ad, so they're, they really attract the kids. Um, and then the newest form of marketing is social media. Um, Facebook, especially, and YouTube have um, millions of, of young people visiting the food company sites on, the, on those media. Do you think parents are aware of this? No, parents are not. We, we did a study where we looked at Adver Games, and about a third of the parents didn't even know what an Adver Game was. We had to explain it to them. And when we show parents what kinds of marketing is going on there, they're outraged. They have no idea that their children are being exposed to this much marketing. So it seems like the the advent of the the digital technology with all the computer-related marketing and things has changed a couple of things. One is the kids are exposed to a lot of this, and that wasn't the case before. But also parents' ability to even know what their kids are exposed to seems to be diminishing. So would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. And it's it's that they don't even know what to look for. So they don't even know it exists. Um, And then the other issue with the digital marketing is that it's very interactive and engaging. And um, and the, the other thing is there's no time limits on it. So on television, there are actually regulations about how much how much advertising can be inserted in children's television programs, but there's no regulations like that on the internet. So, for example, some sites attract kids for as much as 20 minutes at a time, three times a month. You know, that's 60 minutes of advertising with without a break. Um, so it's it, and it's it's interactive. So the children are actually participating in the marketing by playing games or or doing um, fun activities, or even that most of the sites have a way for kids to send emails to their friends, inviting them to visit the site too. So they're even, it's called viral marketing, marketing to their peers. So the landscape has, has changed dramatically. Has, is, how, how would you perceive the roles of traditional television advertising versus the internet sort of thing to, in terms of introducing products versus sustaining interest or building interest right. in things? Well, I think television is always going to be the most important medium because it does two things. First of all, it has incredible reach. So every child in the U.S., or on average, every child in the U.S. sees about 13 food ads every day. Um, on the Internet, you don't get nearly as much exposure. So um, you can't, you can, it, it's harder to introduce a new product without that. You also don't have... Um, the emotion and the the storytelling that television advertising has, which is important for creating a new brand image. Um, but as I said, the the digital media is much more um, is much more uh, interactive, and you know children actually seek out this medium. So if it's a fun game, they can go back and play it over and over and over again. And, you know, so for the child that interacts with it, it can be even, it's, it's probably even more powerful. It just can't reach as many children. One argument that's been around for many years in lots of different contexts that an industry under attack for marketing products that may not be the best for, let's say, kids 
um, will simply say that we drive brand choice rather than increase preference for a type of product in general. So Coke might say we're trying to get market share from Pepsi, but we're not pushing up desire for sugared beverages in, you know, as a category. What do we know about that issue, and what, what would the science suggest? Well, um, that's an important question and one that has just started to be looked at by researchers. I mean, it's just common sense that if you see um, a lot of ads for fast food, it's going to make you want fast food more. It's not just making you want McDonald's specifically, um, but it hasn't been researched that much. I mean, we we did a study, um, Tanya Andrieva at the Rudd Center, uh, and I looked at television advertising and children's food consumption and showed that exposure to fast food and soft drink advertising did increase consumption of those categories in children. And uh, one interesting thing was that even um, exposure to diet soft drinks was associated with increased soft drink consumption of all types. So you, you and, and the people who work with you on the marketing team at the Rudd Center have done so many interesting studies. It would take us a long time to go through all of them. But noteworthy are major reports that you've published in three successive years, one on the marketing of breakfast cereals to children, the next on fast food, and then the final one on sugary drinks. Um, I'd like to take each of those and just get your impressions about what you think the hallmark findings are. So let's start with the one on breakfast cereals. If you look at the landscape of breakfast cereal marketing to kids, what does it look like? Well, the breakfast cereals that are marketed to children are the worst products in cereal companies' portfolios. Um, and that was true three years ago, and it was still true last year when we when we looked at the study again. Um, and we, we looked at cereals specifically because there was a lot of marketing to children, but we also... Um, looked at it because cereal companies actually do have healthy products that they could be advertising to children. And, you know, so there's no reason they can't advertise plain Cheerios to children instead of Honey Nut Cheerios or Fruity Cheerios, but that's not the case. They advertise the Honey Nut Cheerios to kids and the plain Cheerios to parents. Something that you said sort of quickly that I'd like to come back and dwell on a bit more is the fact that you did the first study some three years ago and then three years later followed up to see if the companies had made any progress. And during this period of time, the companies have all pledged to do better, pledged to market healthier foods to children, joined in self-regulatory efforts like the Children's Food and Beverage Advertising Initiative. Would you say that your three-year follow-up showed that they're making progress? Well, they're making progress according to their terms. So the companies have pledged that they would reduce the sugar in children's cereals. And we did find that most children's cereals had one or two grams less sugar in 2011 than they did three years earlier. Um, but the products still have more sugar than any other cereals in companies' portfolios. On average, one-third of the product is sugar. So it's still not a healthy product to serve children. Um, and then we found they did reduce some marketing, but for the most part, they're still advertising as much to children that, um, now as they did three years ago. So one could conclude a lot of different things from this, but among them is that 
the government should get involved with regulation because the companies are not making significant progress on their own. Would you agree with that? Well, I think the the companies have to be forced to change um, somehow because they are not doing it on their own either through government regulation or even um, parents could could play a huge role in getting companies to change if they stopped buying the products, if they started demanding that the companies stop advertising to their children, they, they would have to do that. Um, so if companies are under fire for marketing to kids, why don't they just stop? Why is marketing to children so important for them? Well, there's a number of reasons that marketing is, to children is important. One is that it's it's a huge market. So, um, you know, children eat a lot of cereal and um, so companies want to sell them even more. But probably the bigger reason is that if you can get a child when they're young and create a loyal customer at that age, then you have a lifetime of future sales ahead of you. So that is the main reason that most companies target children is to create this lifelong customer. So do you think companies um, would be thinking that if we don't have them by the time they're age, whatever, that we might lose them? And so we really need to focus on that that sort of age territory. Does that seem right to you? Well, there have been studies showing that most brand preferences are established by the time you're 18. So um, that's absolutely true. And, um, you know, if your competitor is doing it and you're not, you know, if Coke is doing it and Pepsi isn't, then that puts the ones who aren't doing it in a, in a huge disadvantage, which makes it even more difficult for the companies to do the right thing. So let's move on to the second of the three reports that you did, this one on fast food. What did the fast food marketing landscape look like? Um, well, the fast food marketing landscape is um, a huge, huge business. It's, um, I can't remember the numbers right now, but, but you know, a billion dollars spent on, on marketing fast food. Um, and two companies, McDonald's and Burger King, market to children extensively. Um, McDonald's is always the top company that... that markets to children. And, um, and if you look at the kids' meals that the, the fast food companies offer, there are very few healthy choices. I think we found 13 healthy kids' meals out of thousands that are offered at the restaurants we looked at. That's remarkable. Um, now, when it's inter- one thing that was interesting to me from your work is that a lot of the time the fast food companies are not promoting specific foods to convince somebody that our hamburger is better than your hamburger, but a lot of it is about branding. Would you mind explaining that? Sure. Well, um, there's there's probably three uh, main themes in fast food marketing. One is um, value menus and, and uh, low-cost options. So they're trying to promote their food as cheap um, to bring people in. There's also new products, so there's a lot of new products that are introduced every year by fast food companies, and those are featured prominently in their advertising. But um, the advertising to kids is mostly about the brand. It's not about the actual food that's in the kids' meals. So if you look at, at a McDonald's ad, the most prominent 
or a Burger King ad, but McDonald's, the most prominent feature is the box, the Happy Meal box. So um, in, in some ads, they never even show the food. It's just all about the Happy Meal box. Um, and then also both McDonald's and Burger King pr promote the toys that come with the kids' meals a lot. So what they're trying to do is to get kids to bug their parents to go to the restaurant. And then once they're inside the restaurant, um, the products that are promoted and offered automatically are not their healthy options. It's their French fries and sodas um, and and uh, not the apple dippers. And is this marketing occurring across the various media, just like the the serial ads are, the internet and, and social media, Facebook and things? Um, yeah, absolutely. The um, McDonald's has one of the largest... Actually, McDonald's has about three child targeted, different child-targeted websites from Ronald.com, which is targeted to preschoolers to teach them about their letters and numbers, to McWorld.com um, and, and um, HappyMeal.com, which are um, basically uh, uh, virtual worlds where kids can go in and, and you know, play for, for a long time. So something like um, Ronald, RonaldMcDonald.com or whatever it was called has, could, could be talking about perfectly innocent or even healthy-related content. It could be numbers or letters, like you said. But, and and they, they could create a defense based on that. But if what they're looking for is the branding, and it's the McDonald's brand that they're trying to get yeah. across, they could do that very effectively, almost irrespective of the content, couldn't they? Yeah, Ronald.com is all about Ronald McDonald. There, I don't know if there's any food ever mentioned in that, but it's designed to get kids to love Ronald, and and it's very effective. We, we did research with parents and showed that 15% of preschoolers asked their parents if they could go to McDonald's every day. Every day. Every day. <laughs> That's a remarkable find. Yeah. Boy, they're good at this. Um, let's move on to the. So the, we talked now about the <clears throat> the, the sugared cereals. Yes, that's a, a real problem because there's so much marketing of those to kids. Now we've talked about fast food. There's a lot of marketing of those. What about the third category, sugary beverages? Um, well, sugary beverages is a pretty um, large group of products. So it ranges from you know soda, regular soda, to um, fruit drinks, which are the products that are marketed most often to kids, things like Capri Sun and Sunny D and Kool-Aid, um, energy drinks, sports drinks, flavored waters. Um, there's, there's a lot of different kinds of sugary drinks that are marketed, that, but there are so many of them that um, you know, the, the amount of marketing adds up. If, and with, you made the point with the cereals that the companies have better products in their portfolio, but they're pushing the worst on kids. <clears throat> Could you make that same argument with the beverages? Well, the yes. I mean, the beverages, the fruit drinks are an interesting category because most companies that have fruit drinks also have 100% juice. And it's it's very much the same situation where the fruit drinks that are 95% sugar are marketed to the kids while the f fruit juices, the 100% juices, are marketed to parents. One issue that, that uh, has started to come into the forefront is 
the idea of targeted marketing, that the companies are targeting the marketing to some groups of people um, who are especially vulnerable to obesity. So we've been talking about children, and they're mm-hmm. obviously a vulnerable group. But other groups with very high rates of obesity, uh, people with Hispanic backgrounds or African-Americans, is there evidence of marketing targeted at those groups? Um, yes, there's evidence of um, marketing targeted to those groups, and companies are actually boasting about their marketing that's targeted to black and, and Latino youth, especially in the sugary drink and the um, fast food markets. You um, you can just look at the, the Spanish language advertising and see what products are marketed most to Spanish-speaking individuals, and um, their fast food comes is at the top of the list again. Um, and the sugary drink companies have talked a lot about, especially Coke, about using about seeing um, Black and and Latino youth as a, a growth market for them. So they see a huge opportunity to um, target those customers with with marketing that will make them consume even more of the sugary drink products that contribute to obesity. What about the argument that parents should be able to protect their kids against these influences? And it's really up to parents to educate their children so they're not affected by these kind of things. Well, parents definitely have a role to play. I mean, parents could not buy the products for their kids. They could they could turn off the TV or take the TV out of the bedroom or, or place rules about um, internet usage for their kids. But but the problem is that the marketing is everywhere you turn. It's in the community. It's at their friend's house. There's really no way to escape for children for parents to protect their children from all of the marketing that's going on. Um, well, one, one, one philosophical approach that I've heard some people use when they talk about being concerned about marketing is that uh, it, it's government's role to help parents raise healthy kids. And right now, with government basically having a, a standoff relationship with the marketing, that is, marketers can do just about whatever they want, whatever amount they can market, whatever products they want, <clears throat> that that parents have to battle this this force of this marketing that's affecting their kids. Um, and the government has a rightful role here in order to help parents raise healthy kids. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, that that is what the White House um, said in, in their um, Let's Move initiative, is that they are trying to help parents raise healthy kids, and um, food marketing makes that job harder. So, um, Company, so the government really should be supporting parents, not counteract, not not allowing count, companies to counteract any nutrition or or health um, behaviors that that parents want to teach their children. So, what about the idea that there should be ad campaigns for healthy food um, that maybe the government would support or maybe not, but that this might counteract that negative influence? Well, the. Um, you know, the government, I, I'm not sure who would be able to fund as much um, healthy food marketing as there is unhealthy food marketing right, right now. I mean, $1.6 I don't think there's a way for government to, 
to advertise healthy foods that much. Um, the, the other issue with food marketing to children and adults is that the, the unhealthy products are really tempting and they're, they're really, um, you know, they, they taste great. So um, it's, there's no evidence that you can teach children not to like products that are healthy, that are high in sugar and fat and sodium because they, they taste great. And, um, you know, there's, there's research showing that even adults are influenced by that advertising. So it's very difficult to imagine a way to teach children who are, you know, much, who have much less self-regulatory abilities to resist those messages. One example of this principle at work was a, excuse me, was a study you were involved in on the use of licensed characters and how they affected food choices in children. And I know some people will say that, well, let's just put SpongeBob on carrots or broccoli or something, and that might help correct the, the problem. Right. But I know that you, that you and your colleagues found differential effects of using those licensed characters on healthy versus unhealthy food. What Explain what you found, if you would. Um, well, the we we tested um, what happens when you put a licensed character on carrots versus graham crackers or fruit snacks, something that's unhealthy, and asked um, children to choose which pro or to taste the products and tell us which one tasted better. And the licensed character um, made or or children were more likely to say that the licensed character product both the, the healthy and the unhealthy product tasted better, but they were also more likely to say that the licensed character product on healthy food tasted worse. And I, I don't have a reason for that, but it seems to me like, um, you know, these little three-year-olds, maybe their parents have been trying to trick them into liking carrots for a long time and they're not buying that anymore. Right. So I guess the point from that, and consistent with some of the points you made before, that just throwing out a few messages about fruits and vegetables, or even if the companies do some of this voluntarily, will come nowhere near canceling out the, the negative effects of all the unhealthy food marketing. So that would be, they'd be careful to avoid that trap. Um, yes. And another, another issue related to that is that there's no evidence that eating more healthy foods makes people eat less unhealthy foods. So there's so getting kids to eat more fruits and vegetables is great, but it doesn't it, it's probably not going to get them to eat fewer cookies or fast food. So let me end with this question. Um, the industry is saying we can police ourselves. We've set up these bodies like the Children's Food and Beverage Advertising Initiative and the Children's Advertising Review Unit, where they look at these messages and, um, you know, they say we, we'll, we'll take the bad ones away and we won't do things that would be harmful for kids. Um, and they're making that argument and saying at the same time the government doesn't have to regulate us. Uh, what do you think about industry self-regulation? And is that, will we make any progress from that at all? Will it be enough progress? Or do you think government will have to come in and regulate in order to stem this harmful tide? Well, I think um, the issue with industry self-regulation, which we've shown many times, is that 
when industry sets their own rules, they're going to pl- put the bar very low. So they're not going to promise anything that they can't absolutely deliver. But they, but there's no evidence that what they're doing actually is having a positive impact on children's health. Um, it's and and so that's where government either needs to regulate or be involved in setting the guidelines to determine what is healthy and unhealthy, what is marketing to kids, um, you know, what is not marketing to kids. Okay. Well, thank you for providing this overview. It's a lot of information on the issue of food marketing, and congratulations to you and your colleagues for doing such good work. If people wanted to find out more information about this work, where would they look? Well, we have several websites. There's the Rudd Center um, www.yalerudcenter.org slash marketing to look at the marketing work specifically or cerealfacts.org, fastfoodmarketing.org, and sugarydrinkfacts.org. Good, thank you. All right, our guest today was Dr. Jennifer Harris, who is Director of Marketing Initiatives at the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. Uh, Please visit the Rudd Center website, www.yalerudcenter.org where you'll find a vast variety of resources on food and food policy issues, including a list of other excellent podcasts that we've recorded. Thank you.